Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646 727 3070 That's 646 727 3070 You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. You can also chat with us at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. The chat room is open, ready to go ready to talk, ready to communicate, ready to have fun. And also, on Twitter, you can hit us up on Twitter, at GoForItCan. And while you're there on Twitter, at GoForItCan, give me a follow, at GoForItCan. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Thomas Davis of the Carolina Panthers. This is a man with an incredible comeback story. Three ACL injuries, three ACLs repaired, and now he is back. Three ACL tears on the same knee, and he is back, the first player to ever do it. We're going to talk to him about his great season. Also, we're going to be joined by Antoine Walker, former NBA star. We're going to talk to him about the current NBA season, get his thoughts on the Lakers. Um, also, we're going to get his thoughts on what he's going, what he's up to now. Antoine has had some issues, has some financial issues over the past few years. Get, get want to talk to him about that, see how he's doing at this point. With all that, also we're going to be joined by Broncos corner Chris Harris. He was on the show before. It's going to be a pleasure to have him back. And he's going to talk about the game. I mean, uh, the tough loss that the Broncos suffered, a loss that was totally unexpected from my point of view. I didn't expect the Broncos to lose that game. I didn't think there was no way in this world the Broncos would lose that game. But they did. And, and give the Ravens a lot of credit. Joe Flacco was big. The defense created some havoc, caused some turnovers. They were big. They made plays. Jacoby Jones made the biggest play of them all. Biggest play of them all, 70-yard touch to him in, uh, to force the game into overtime, and ultimately the Ravens win in double overtime. So that was a big-time football game, and that was a great football game, and that was an enjoyable football game. And the Ravens move on, surprisingly. I, I, I'm surprised, as I'm saying, that the Broncos going to the Super Bowl to start the season, and I, I'm shocked. I, I'm amazed. I'm, I'm, I'm stunned. But I don't know what I'm more stunned about, the Broncos losing to the Ravens or this Manti Teo story. I mean, this is a week, this was fraud week in sports. I mean, Lance Armstrong came out and finally admitted what we've known for a long, long time, that he is a fraud, that that he lied to, to all of us for many years uh, about his use, his, his use of performance-enhancing drugs. The sport of cycling is dirty. What would make Lance Armstrong any different. What would make Lance Armstrong any different? He wasn't no different. He was just like everybody else. Actually, he was worse because everybody else came out. He didn't. He fought it to the end. And he did whatever he could do to to, to support that. He did whatever he could do to, to make sure that no one ever talks about it. He did whatever he could do to keep the lie alive. Keep the lie alive. He kept the lie alive. And that's what he did. He kept the, kept the lie alive. He kept it alive 
for a long, long time. Even after everyone he knew, everybody knew, he kept the lie alive. And if you crossed him, you had issues. He sued you. He went after you. He did whatever he could do to destroy you. That's the type of guy he is. He did whatever he could to destroy you. And that's the way he was on 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 the tour de you know riding on the tour de France. That type of bike rider he was. He did whatever he could to win. That type of competitor he was. He did whatever he could to win. The reality is, we gave deity status to Lance Armstrong. We started treating him like he was some kind of god. So he was beyond reproach. That he couldn't do no wrong. He's not God. He's not beyond reproach. He is a human, flesh and blood, a man, a human, born to make mistakes. We're not surprised about Lance Armstrong. He's a fraud. He's not a nice person. But he did some nice things in terms of cancer, in terms of fighting cancer, in terms of, uh, uh, well, he obviously did a nice thing by first beating cancer. That's a great thing to beat cancer. But you can argue that the cancer was brought on because of the performance in hands and drugs. But he did beat cancer. Also, you could argue in terms of the financial support that the Livestrong Foundation, the, how much it raised for cancer, over $400 million for cancer. That's big time. I can't dismiss it. I can't discount it. That's big time, folks. That's big time. Yes, he, he crossed a lot of people along the way. But if you cross some people and you help millions, does the good outweigh the bad? You cross some. You cross some people, and it's not good. It's not right. Greg Lamond, you crossed. You crossed him. Uh, I mean, you crossed a lot of people. Frankie Andre, Andre, excuse me, you crossed him. You crossed a lot of people. You crossed Emma O'Reilly. You crossed her. You crossed a lot of people. You did whatever you could do to keep the lie alive. That's what you were about, keeping the lie alive. And you kept that lie alive for a very long time. You finally admitted to Oprah, something we already knew, but you finally admitted to Oprah that you were a cheat. Not surprising. No one's surprised about that. And I'm almost thinking, I'm inclined to think that the cancer was a part of of keeping the lie alive. It was a part of all that. It was a part of, of crafting this image for this guy who, frankly, probably is not a good person, probably not a nice person. But, but I cannot, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot discount what he did for cancer research, what he did in terms of the monies he's raised to destroy the dreaded disease they call cancer. I can't take that away from Lance Armstrong. I won't take that away from Lance Armstrong. And I'm almost inclined to think that even though he did some bad things to, to a lot of people, the good truly may have outweighed the bad. That's just the way I feel about it. That's just the way I feel about it. Is he a fraud? Yes. Did we give godlike qualities to a guy who is a man? Yes, you can't do it. You don't give godlike qualities to a man. He is a man. That's all he ever will be is a man. He's a man who makes mistakes. He made a lot of mistakes. Man, Ty Taylor, same thing. That is the weirdest, craziest, oddest story I ever heard. One of the weirdest, craziest, craziest, oddest stories I ever heard in my life. 
and I'm talking about that story. I almost hate to to think about these things because it's so crazy, it's so odd, it's so weird. And the thing is, how you think is is in some respect what you become. I don't want to go there. I, I don't want to put my mind to think about some of the crazy things that went on with that Manti Teo story. I just don't want to go there, but I have to. I, I have to. I have to go there, but I have to be careful because. You start hanging around and talking about crazy, odd, and weird things. You start to become crazy, odd, and weird. That's just the reality of the situation. That is just the reality of the situation. But we'll get back to that now. We'll get we'll get back to that. But we're going to bring in a guy now who is anti Lance Armstrong, anti Manti Taylor. This is a guy who battled back from three ACL injuries. This is a guy who is big time. This is a guy who many believe is the true comeback player of the year. Let's bring him in now, linebacker for the Carolina Panthers, Thomas Davis. Thomas, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. And, Thomas, before we get to you, I, I want to look at tomorrow's games, the Falcons and the 49ers in the NFC. You played the Falcons two times this year. You guys split with the Falcons. Truthfully, you probably should have swept them, but just split with the Falcons this year. The 49ers playing big-time football. Colin Kaepernick over 400 yards of total offense last week against the Packers. All in all, how do you see this game playing out? I think it's going to be a tremendous game like the rest of the games that we've seen in these playoffs. Um, these two teams are here for a reason. You know, they're the last two teams remaining in the NFC, and I think that the 49ers present a huge challenge, and Atlanta presents some challenges as well with their receivers and their quarterback and their running back. And I just think this is going to be a really good game. How, how do you see it playing out? Um, me personally, I want the 49ers to whoop the Falcons. <laughs> and that's not a surprise. That's not a surprise at all. That's not a surprise at all. And I, I look at this game and – Cam Newton, your quarterback, had a lot of success against the Falcons in both of the games that they played, that you guys played against the Falcons. And Colin Kaepernick is a similar quarterback. Do you see that being something that's going to be uh, an advantage for the 49ers? You know what? I think that due to the fact that the Atlanta Falcons get to play the Carolina Panthers two times a year, due to the fact that they are able to watch them and they saw what Kaepernick was able to do against the Green Bay Packers, I think that the defense is going to come out and they're going to be way more prepared for him than okay. people expect them to be. So it's almost like it's going to be an advantage for them in a lot of ways. I would definitely say so. And, and how do you see the AFC playing out? you got the Ravens, the Ray Lewis story. I mean, it's an incredible story. His final ride, the Ravens, in improbable fashion, beat the Broncos in that game, double overtime. That was a big-time game, big-time performance out of the Ravens. Going up against the Big Bad Patriots in New England, this is a rematch of the game last season. How do you see this one playing out? Everybody keeps talking about the feel-good story and, you know, Ray being, you know, this is last hurrah. But I definitely feel like Tom Brady and, and the Patriots are going to take care of business down in Foxborough. So the you're not, you're not buying the Ray Lewis team of destiny type of thing with the Ravens? Nah, man, it, 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 all, stops, it all stops tomorrow. Okay, okay, so Ravens will oh, whatever they play. I think they play today, my bad. Tomorrow, it's tomorrow, it's tomorrow, Sunday. So the Ravens will not be Destiny's child, according to Thomas Davis. And 
I don't know, man. I can't get past that Ray Lewis story. Uh, and, and the way they played last week and the improbable way that they won, it could be just destiny, man. I don't know. It's just, just That's just me. I don't know. Last week they played good enough to lose. That is true. That, that and, is true. And, I mean. and unfortunately, Denver didn't capitalize on some of the opportunities that they had. You know, and you look at the 70-yard touchdown, if the state can get over the top and cover two like he's supposed to, that never happens. Right. Right. I mean, it shouldn't have happened. It obviously shouldn't have happened. But it did, and the Ravens are there. We shall see. Thomas, let's go to you now, man. I mean, you got an incredible story. Three torn ACLs in the same knee, three repaired. You're back on the field doing your thing. You made it through the whole season. No one has ever done this before. How proud are you of this accomplishment, man? I'm extremely proud of it. You know, a lot of people – coming into the season never really gave me a shot to actually make it back, let alone play a complete season. So, you know, I think that's a tremendous accomplishment, and I think it speaks a lot for the training staff that we have. I think it speaks a lot about Dr. Andrews and what he's capable of doing with performing these surgeries. Definitely. I mean, you're back, and you had a pretty decent season. I heard once the injury happened a year ago that your initial reaction was to call it quits. What changed your mind? You know, sitting now speaking with my wife and Michael Bunkley and the love that I have for this game, you know, those three things prevailed. And, you know, I said that, hey, if I'm if, – and my wife said, actually, if I have to rehab anyway and get back from doing the surgery, I might as well put the work in and try to come back. And, you know, and, right. you know, from that day forward, that's what it was all about, you know, coming back and showing everybody that it is possible that I can make it happen. And you talked about your wife, your wife, Kelly. She motivated you big time. Talk about her role in getting you back on the field. Everything that I needed done that didn't require rehab or being doing the actual physical work, she was there for me. She was there That's mentally. It. She was there, you know, emotionally, just doing everything that I needed her to do as a wife, as as a best friend, as my rehab partner. She did everything that I needed her to do. And they always say, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. So you found the good thing, and she, she rode with you throughout this process. We're talking to Carolina Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis, man. And I heard you say that you made this comeback for guys who are going to come after you. You're a trailblazer, man. Does that? Uh, how do you feel, man, that you've inspired others? How does that make you feel? Man, it's, it's no greater feeling. You know, just to know that with Terrell Thomas – cornerback from the Giants, you know, with him going through the same thing right now, with him being able to um, bounce information off of me, you know, just gain the knowledge of the things that I went through going through this surgery, to be able to talk to him and to help him out. And, you know, just being able to talk to a guy like Marcus Lattimore, for him to know that, you know, hey, he's not the only one going through this type of thing, you know, just to let him know that, you know, I know what you're feeling right now, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is light, and, and you're, you can talk about your testament to that. Was it hard for you going back on the field to, to block out the injuries, to think to just play and not think about hurting your knee again? You know, the second time I did it, going into the third time, but right before the third time I was thinking about it a bunch. But this third time, you know, I told myself, if I'm out there thinking about it and um, hesitating for one second thinking about that knee, then I'm not being the best that I could possibly be. 
So, you know, I just went out there and, you know, I prayed about it and asked the Lord to protect me. And it was all about just believing in him and going out and performing how I know I'm capable of performing and not worrying about my needs. Definitely, and it showed on the field. After the three surgeries on your knee, on your knee, do you feel like the knee is stronger? Do you feel like the knee is the same than it was before the injury? How is the knee? The knee is doing great, man. You know, I didn't have any issues out of my knee whatsoever. You know, I had a situation in Washington where I kind of got banged on it a little bit, and, you know, everybody got scared and got nervous, but went over to the sideline, walked it off, and went right back in the game. You know, that's, that's what you got to do as a player, and, not only instill that confidence in yourself, but in everybody else as well. So I'm definitely going into this off season and strengthening my whole body and not having to worry about rehab, man, and that's a wonderful feeling. Right. We're talking to Carolina Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis. And Thomas, just getting on the field is an amazing story. But you had your first interception since 2009 against the Falcons. After the game, your coach, Ron Rivera, gave you the game ball. He was in tears as he gave you the game ball. Tell us about that moment. You know, I think for Coach Rivera as a head coach, it mean, the game means more to him because he was a former player. You know, he played on a, a Super Bowl winning team, and, you know, he played my position. So he knows what it, what it's like to be in the trenches. He knows what it's like to get injured and to come back from injury, injuries. And, you know, he was around guys that had to do the same thing. So, Coach Rivera is definitely a coach that can relate to the players, and that's why we love to play for him so much. And you got to be happy that he is coming back in 2013. Absolutely. And there, there was, it was kind of, there was some speculation that he may not return, but he ended up returning. And uh, you got to give the Panthers a lot of credit. You guys got off to a tough start, but you finished very strong. You beat teams like the Falcons and the Saints late in the season. Many thought the Panthers would get to the playoffs in 2012. What happened to you guys in 2012 as a whole? You know, I think I think we started out too slow. You know, that's what it boiled down to. And we gave away some games um, in the fourth quarter that we should definitely have put away. And, you know, that comes with experience. It comes with, you know, with guys understanding the situation and maturing and just – knowing how to finish games. And that's something that we didn't have early on. But if you look at the way we finished the, the season with five of our last six games, we were able to come away with victories. I think guys learned how to win just based on right. losing early on in the season. And, and you talked about it. You, goes, you guys ended the season winning five of your final six games. You had a four-game win streak to end the season. Does that give you guys optimism and hope going into 2013? Absolutely. And, you know, we want to ride that momentum into this, this upcoming season and, it's all about playing for each other and playing together and starting out fast and finishing stronger. Definitely. And one guy who had some rough moments earlier in the year was your quarterback, Cam Newton. We saw some of the press conferences earlier in the season. All in all, do you guys still have confidence in this guy and have confidence that he can bounce back in 2013? Absolutely. Did you see the way he finished the season? I don't think you'd be hard-pressed to find um, – a top quarterback playing better than him than when he played the la- the end of the season. You know, he put up all kinds of numbers. You know, he set a new mark for our team with going with, you know, throws without an interception. So I definitely have confidence in Cam and know that he's going to do well. It's just all about us putting the right guys around him and having the right scheme since our new OC is gone, or our old OC is gone. 
Right, right. And, and you talked about Rob Chudzinski is gone, and Mike Shula actually was promoted as the new offensive coordinator for you guys going into 2013. And, Thomas, this season you had Adrian Peterson, who had a big-time year coming off an ACL injury. You got Peyton Manning, a big-time year coming off the neck injury. But you did something that has never been done before. Is Thomas Davis truly the comeback player of the year? Hey, in, in my heart and in a lot of our fans' heart, I am. You know, and the unfortunate part about it with the NFL and this, it, the league is so political. You know, if, you, if it's a popularity contest, if I'm not the most popular guy, then I'm not going to win it. You know, that's what it boils down. So it doesn't matter what you've gone through. It's all about getting people to vote for you and, and you know, having a following. And, you know, unfortunately, I don't have that. But, hey, hats off to AP, you know, the guy – he did something truly phenomenal. You know, he tore his knee up in December, and he was able to come back this season um, on short rehab and come away with 2,000 yards and, and becoming nine yards away from breaking the NFL all-time rushing record. You know, right. that's, that's, that's truly phenomenal, and I, and I applaud that guy. That That is big time. He had a big-time year. Peyton Manning had a big-time year. But you also had a good year yourself, 105 tackles, two forced fumbles, an interception as well. All in all, how do you think you played in 2012? You know, I, I, I definitely feel good about my performance. You know, um, for it being my first time really playing a full season since the 2008 season, you know, I, I felt like it was a, a start. You know, it was an opportunity for me to show the, not only myself, but show the team and show these fans that, hey, Thomas Davis can still play football. I'm still capable of going out and playing at a high level. Now it's all about getting the full off season in where I can actually work on, like I said, work on my body and right. getting my strength back my in my upper body and just really going out and playing carefree. Definitely, definitely. We're talking to Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis. Thomas, you were nominated by the Panthers for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award for your work with your foundation, the Defending Dreams Foundation. Tell us what that honor means to you. That's one of the, that, that's one of the biggest honors that I can possibly receive. I feel like because it's an award that is voted on by my peers. You know, it's voted on by my teammates and guys that actually know the work that I put in in the community and the difference that we try to make with my foundation. So it's definitely an honor for those guys to vote me um, the Carolina Panthers Man of the Year because we do so much for the community and we don't do it for the accolades of to try to gain recognition, we genuinely do it because we care about these kids and we want to make a difference. Right, right. And you're doing a lot of work with the Defended Dreams Foundation, helping underprivileged kids. Talk about your foundation. Well, like you said, our, our foundation, we, we work towards um, giving back to underprivileged kids. We do several events throughout the year. We go and we have this free football camp that we do for the kids every year, and that's usually around our fundraising weekend. We have a back-to-school giveaway. We do a Thanksgiving dinner that we take all the women and children from the Salvation Army um, Center of Hope, and we take those kids to this restaurant, and we allow them to have this Thanksgiving dinner so they can get away from the shelter and just take their minds off of whatever problems they may be going through and just be able to sit down and have a dinner away from the shelter with people that genuinely care about them and right. you know and not only the not only um do they get to leave their shelter but they get to have a, a great meal that's prepared by the staff at Lola's and they do a great job 
preparing that food for us. And we also do our Christmas event as well. And we, um, so you're busy in the community, and that is big-time fans. Make sure you go to his website, Forest Foundation, DefendingDreams.org. That's DefendingDreams.org. This man is doing some big-time work on the field, doing big-time work in his community, and that truly is Big time. You had stated earlier that uh, Terrell Thomas has spoke to you uh, about some of the things that he's going, that he's having, some of the problems that he may be having with his ACL injuries and everything. Did RG3 reach out to you at all? No, it's funny you say that. He didn't reach out to me. I was actually down there visiting Dr. Andrews earlier this week, and I was able to, to go in and, and speak with Robert and, you know, try to give him some words of encouragement about, you know, some of the things that I had to face during my surgeries because he actually had the same surgery performed that I had this last time. Okay. So he had to take part of the patella from your good knee and fix the um, the knee that you tore your ACL on. So he had actually had to have surgery on both knees, and most people don't know that. Wow. Okay. And 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 how did he seem in, in terms of his spirits? Uh, he's upbeat, man. His spirits are high. You know that he has the best surgeon in the world working on him, and who's also happened to be their team doctor and Dr. Andrews, so he's pretty confident, man. You know, he's a guy that's been through ACL surgery before, so he knows the ins and outs of, you know, what to do, what not to do, and how to get back. And, Thomas, real quickly now, you have, uh, you, I believe you picked the 49, you, you picked the 49ers, and you also picked the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl. Who is going to win the Super Bowl? Do we get a Super Bowl prediction? I think Harbaugh is going to come away with his first Super Bowl. Okay, okay. So you believe that Jim Harbaugh and the 49ers, Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers, will get the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl? Absolutely. And we shall see. Fans, again, make sure you go to the website, www.defendingdreams.org. Also follow this man on Twitter, TD58SDTM. Again, that's TD58SDTM. Thomas Davis, a pleasure talking to you, man. We wish you nothing but the best of luck. We'd love to do it again. Hey, I appreciate it. And also, if there's anyone out there listening that have middle school kids that want to join on and sign their kids up for the TD Youth Leadership Academy, please feel free to check out our website. We have kids that we're working with. And, you know, we're just trying to do different things for the community and allow these kids to have a different outlet instead of going and getting in trouble. You know, there's, there's, there's another outlet that they can come to and they can learn several different things about becoming a better person, a better citizen, and, you know, we're here for them. And let everybody know that everything is everything that the Thomas Davis Defender James Foundation do is free. Fans, again, go to the website, defendingdreams.org, and support some of the great things Thomas Davis has going on. Thomas, a pleasure, man. All right, thank you. Appreciate you. Thomas Davis, linebacker for the Carolina Panthers. Pleasure talking to him. I mean, his comeback is just amazing. His comeback is just uh, absolutely positively amazing. And I know uh, we, we talk about some of the great things that Peyton Manning did. I know we're talking about some of the great things that Adrian Peterson did. But, man, oh, man, Thomas Davis, his comeback is sensational. His comeback is absolutely amazing. I mean, this is a guy who came back from three ACL injuries on the same knee. That does not happen. That does not happen. It just doesn't happen. It hasn't happened. So Thomas Davis, 
He made the comeback. He is back. And we wish him nothing but the best of luck moving forward. I want to switch gears now. We we had a feel-good story there with Thomas Davis. Now i got to switch gears to this Manti Teo story. This is a crazy story. This is an odd story. This is a weird story. Weird story. Just an absolutely positively a weird story. I, I, I've never heard or, or, or seen a story quite like this. It's, you can't make this up. You can't make this up. This is better than fiction. This is better than fiction. Unfortunately, a lot of parts of his story may just be fiction. But this is better than fiction. We had the report, Deadspin.com, that came out, and they basically said, you know what? This whole Manti Teo story with his girlfriend is a hoax. His girlfriend, uh, Lene Kakua, is a hoax. She's not real. She never existed. She never existed. And we heard all the stories. Oh, Manti Teo, back in 2009, laid eyes on this beautiful woman. And, you know, they exchanged phone numbers. This is back in 2009. Then we find out from Notre Dame, Jack Swarbrick, that they never met each other. But then in in these articles, all these articles are saying that they met. It's saying that they met. So we get all these misinformation. It's just odd. It's just odd. It's just odd. Odd. It's weird. It's odd. His parents say they have met before. They've seen each other. They've been around each other. They've done all these things. They've, 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 she's visited, visited Hawaii to see this guy. They've seen each other. Manti Teo says they've never seen each other. And he said last night that essentially he just went with it because he knew the, the strangeness of the story, the oddity of the story. I mean, this is an odd story. This dude fell madly in love with a woman he's never seen. He fell madly in love. This was the love of his life. The woman was the love of his life. He never met her, but she happened to be the love of his life. Never seen her, but she happened to be the love of his life. That's crazy. that's, That's just crazy. There's just no other way to say it. There's no other words to use. It's just crazy. It's just weird. We're not talking about Joe the Loser or or, or Bob the Bum. We're talking about Man Ty Tail. The runner-up to the Heisman Trophy Award. We're talking about Man Ty Tail. The big man on campus. And he has to go to, to... Meeting girls on Facebook, where he said that he first met this chick, Kakua, Lene Kakua, who is not real, who, who is a what is a which is a lie. She's not real. This is all a lie. This is all a lie, and I think they're all in on it. I think Notre Dame is all in on it. I think all there, and I know he's saying that he got an apology from Renai Tuiasasopo, the guy who allegedly was behind this whole hoax. I know he said he got text, uh, Facebook messages from this guy, direct messages from this guy that he's saying that he saw and he apologizes. Come on, man. I don't believe it. Come on. I wasn't born yesterday. I'm not dumb. I'm not stupid. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't come together. This girl, 
you're the love of your life uh, gets into a bad car accident, you don't see her. She, you don't visit the hospital. She has leukemia. You don't visit the hospital. You don't do any of those things. You don't visit the hospital. You don't visit the hospital. You don't visit her at any point. And you said, this is your explanation, it never really crossed my mind. That's what he told Jeremy Schapp last night. It never really crossed my mind. I don't know. I was in school. That's what he said. That, that's, his, that's his explanation for that. It never crossed my mind. It never crossed your mind that you would not want to see the person that you're madly in love with, the person that you're, you're, you're falling for, the person that's going through, has, a, has been into a bad car accident, a person that's going through leukemia, and you don't want to see her? Come on. That don't make sense. That, that doesn't make sense. That does not make sense. It doesn't, and your explanation uh, never crossed my mind. I was in school. My first thought would be, let me rush out and go see her. That would be, I would think that would be a normal thought. Let's go see her. Hey, she got into a bad car accident. She has leukemia. Let me go see her. I got to go see her. This is the love of my life. She's special. She's amazing. She's so exciting. She's so incredible. Come on. Come on. Come on, man. This is this is this is this is stupid. This is stupid, and and apparently they talk for eight hours on the phone, night in and night out. She couldn't sleep without hearing his breath, night in and night out. I mean, it's just this is just crazy. This is just craziness. He talked about having a spiritual connection with a woman that he never met. Their spiritual connection happened because of text messages and, 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 I mean, come on. A spiritual connection with a woman that you never met? Is that possible? Is that possible? This is, this is weird. This is weird. This is, this is weirdo talk. This is weirdo stuff. This is the stuff that weirdos are made of. This is the stuff that weirdos are made of. And you know what? We believed it. Hook, line, and sinker in terms of you know, his grandmother dying the same day as his girlfriend. We believed it. We loved it. America loves these type of stories. We loved it. We ate it up. It's happily ever after. You know, I mean, not necessarily this particular story. It's not happily ever after. But the reality is it's that same theme of happily ever after. It's the theme of he fought through adversity and soldiered on, played big-time football, played big-time football, Lays for Manti. Let's get a lay for Manti Teo. Let's play big T, play big time football. Big time football. Let's go out and play big time football. Give interceptions to your girl Kakua. Lene, Kakua, let's give her interceptions. Let's give her the balls. Let's celebrate. Let's do all these things. Let's let's have a great time, man. I mean, this is craziness. Let's just drum this whole thing up. Let's keep building and building and building and building. I mean, this is crazy. This is a crazy story. This is a crazy story. And this guy, he first hears of, you know, this whole thing on December 6th. He didn't tell anybody. He, he realized that this thing may have been a fraud on December 6th. That's what he tells us. And he didn't tell anybody for 20 days. It's December 26th. December 26th. 
And the thing about it, let's give Deadspin.com a lot of credit for what they did and their reporting in this. I mean, everybody dropped the ball. Everybody. Wojciechowski from ESPN. You know, everybody's dropped the ball here in terms of finding out the true, true, the real, what is real and what is not. What is real and what is not. And the thing about it is he talked to Jeremy Schapp last night without cameras. So I got to give Lance Armstrong some credit. He was man enough to at least step in front of a camera and tell us his lies and tell us some of the bad things that he did and admit to some of the things that he did. He at least stepped in front of a camera. This guy, Manti Teo, couldn't even step in front of a camera. So how am I supposed to believe this guy? I think what's happening now is they're now spinning. He's got his advisors. He's huddled up with his team, and they're spinning it. And they're turning it around. And, 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 and Turiasa Sopo, who I believe, this is just my opinion, and we'll see how this whole thing plays out. I think they were all in cahoots about this whole thing. Notre Dame probably knew, too, as far as I'm concerned. I think they were all together. It's just my opinion. I could be wrong, but we don't know. We don't know. We got an audio interview from Manti Teo. He ain't stepped in front of a camera. He ain't stepped in front of a camera. And even if he does, I don't know how much I would believe him anyway. I don't know how much I would believe this guy anyway. And the thing about it is this. Okay, okay. She dies, right? We get that. She dies, even though she never was alive. But she died, okay? She died. Now, she said that she didn't want you to come to the hospital at all. She wanted you to play in the game, didn't want you to come to the funeral. All she wanted you to do was send white roses. Here's my question. Here's my question. I don't know if anybody has answered this or even asked this question, but here's my question. You didn't go see her gravesite? You didn't? inquire about her gravesite to go see her gravesite to the love of your life you didn't go to one didn't want to go to the gravesite to see the love of your life her tombstone to lay some white flowers there i know you sent white flowers to the funeral but you don't want to lay white flowers there at her gravesite i'm confused you never met her even though you said even though your parents said you met her in 2009 even though you said you just went along with it but okay let's go with the premise that you never met her this would, I, I would assume, since she is the love of your life, even though you never met her, that you would find a way to get to her gravesite, see her tombstone. I understand she is the love of your life, right? You said she was the love of your life. She's amazing. She's incredible. She's exciting. But you didn't find a way to get to her gravesite. You didn't find a way to get to her gravesite? You did not find a way to get to her gravesite. That's interesting. And even after the December 6th call where you finally realized or believed that this may have been a, been a hoax, you continue to talk about this woman. You continue to talk about everything that transpired with this whole situation. You continued on. You soldiered on talking about this stuff, keeping the lie alive and just painting a story, painting a beautiful picture of a guy who persevered through adversity, who soldiered on through adversity. That's what you did. This is crazy, folks. This is crazy. This is a crazy, crazy story. This is a crazy, crazy story. And he said he didn't go to the funeral because he didn't want the first time that he saw her laying, first time he would see her, he didn't want to see her laying in the coffin, even though, even though 
at the same time, also maybe you know, uh, if his story is true, she did tell tell him, or whoever told him. I can't. I don't know if he, she, or whatever. But whoever told him told him not to come to the funeral. Told him not to come. But he soldiered on. He he, he soldiered on and had a great season, a big time season, a runner up in the Heisman Trophy voting, the runner up to Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football, Johnny Heisman. He was a runner up. But the thing about it is this. It's just so many holes. It's just so many inconsistencies. It's just so much weirdness in this whole story. And and let's just and again, let's just go to the premise that Manti Teo maybe he's scared of women. He has difficult time making you know, difficult time having relationships with females. Let's just say that is the case. Let's just say that's the case. Even still, he doesn't have to say much to get a date. He's Manti Teo. He's the big man on campus. Everybody loved him. Lays for Manti. Everybody loved this guy. The Heisman Trophy runner-up. Everybody loved this guy. Notre Dame on national TV. All his home games on national TV. Most of his games on national TV. And this guy is having this much difficulty finding a date. He, he has to go to Facebook to find a date. He has to go to Facebook to find a date. There's just so many inconsistencies in this story. So many inconsistencies in this story. So many. So many. So many. And, you know, everybody's saying, why didn't Notre Dame come out right away? This is not their problem anymore. He's off. He doesn't play for Notre Dame anymore. He's off to the NFL. Notre Dame came out, I think, because they're protecting this whole thing, protecting this whole scheme because I think they were they knew something about it. Teammates talked about it. We got teammates coming about, whispering about this and saying this thing may not be real. And so we we got teammates. His teammates are coming out about this. His teammates, his teammates, his Notre Dame teammates are coming out about it. Teammates are coming about it. So you don't think that made its way up to the coaches? You don't think that made it? it that rumor made it around the campus? Come on, come on. You don't think that made it around the campus? Come on. You don't think so? You don't think so? I mean, his teammates had their doubts. His teammates had their doubts. His teammates. I mean, you have uh, Jackie Pepper, a sports reporter, talking to an unnamed Notre Dame player. He says, and I quote, No, we all knew he had only seen her once. But the media was saying how he went through both deaths we know, said the source, referring back to the back-to-back deaths of Teo's grandmother and his girlfriend, Lene Kakua, and I'm reading this off a dead spin story, who allegedly died of leukemia. I mean, this his teammates knew. His teammates were suspicious. Another teammate said, we would never bring it up, but we would look at him when, we, when he would get all emotional during media about his girl. They never brought it up, but they were giving him the looks. The child, please looks. The the man, please, please, I, I, stop. Just stop. It was those type of looks. Just stop. Just stop. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is. A, I just think. I just think. I mean, this was just. This is just a painting of a, of this is a Picasso painting in some respect. 
trying to make a beautiful picture out of this story and out of this guy, maybe to help him win the Heisman. You know, it just was a beautiful story. A man who had fought through all this adversity, a man who soldiered on through death of his girlfriend, through death of his grandmother, a man with so much character. I mean, it was just the perfect story. But again, unfortunately, in the world we live in, there are not many perfect stories. You can have a, there is no such thing as a perfect marriage. You can have the greatest marriage, don't mean it's perfect. You can have the greatest football team, doesn't mean it's perfect. You can be the greatest person, doesn't mean you're perfect. You're great, but you're not perfect. There's a difference. There's a difference. Lance Armstrong, great as a cyclist, probably not so good as a person. Manti Teo had a great football season. And I don't want to – he is young. He's still young. He's only 22 years old. Got a lot of growing to do, a lot of changes to be made. This, you know, this behavior in terms of online stuff just doesn't jive with a big-time college football player on the level of Manti Teo. It just doesn't jive. That doesn't that – doesn't, come together. It doesn't really make sense to you. I, I can't wrap my mind around how a guy with his kind with his status, a guy of his stature, a guy who was the big man on campus, a guy who was this close to winning the Heisman Trophy, a guy who came in second place in the Heisman Trophy uh, voting, a guy, the talent of Manti Teo. You're the big man on campus. You're a celebrity, essentially, on the Notre Dame campus. You are a celebrity. You are a celebrity. A celebrity. Let's be real. He's a celebrity at this point. He was a celebrity uh, throughout the course of this season. And you're that big. You're big time. And you had to resort to this type of relationship. This is what... You had to resort to. This doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. Just doesn't sound right. Just doesn't sound right. It just doesn't. Just doesn't. It does. It doesn't sound right. And then again, you do an interview last night. Only audio. It was audio video. Audio interview wasn't video. You didn't have no video there. You had your lawyer present. I mean, it was just. This is just weird. And he said it last night. I even knew that it was crazy that I was with somebody that I didn't meet, and that alone, and that alone, people find out that this girl who died, I was so invested in, I didn't meet her as well. So I kind of tailored my stories to have people think that, yeah, he met her before she passed away, so that people wouldn't think that I was some crazy dude. Dude. Uh, unfortunately, you are a crazy dude. This whole situation is crazy. This is just a crazy situation. Maybe you're not crazy, but you are involved in a crazy situation. You are involved in a crazy situation. A crazy situation. It's just, I just don't understand a lot of facts in this story. It just, it's just hard. 
and uh, I'm reading through all these stories pertaining to this whole situation, and every time I read another story, I get confused. I get confused. And every time I read a little more, I get even more confused and even more confused. That's just it's, it's, it's just a confusing story. And I know apparently the guy who was involved in this hoax, Renaya Tuyasasopo, also apparently, according to uh, some reports, had did this to other people, did the same type of thing to other people. And I, I think you're going to get these type of stories coming out at this point. And we may never know the truth and about what really transpired. But it's just a lot of smoke. And more often than not, when there is a lot of smoke, usually there's a level of fire, some type of fire. And we see all the smoke. We we, we were reading all the things that we're reading. And you, you have to wonder, you have to think almost, there has to be some type of fire here. There has to be some type of fire. And I know Jeremy Schapp said last night that he found Manti Teo to be believable. He found him to believe be believable. But I'll, my question to that is, and I'll answer that very simply, we found him to be believable throughout this whole situation in, in terms of telling these stories and talking about this young woman. I mean, a lot of media outlets were duped, ESPN, CNN, Sports Illustrated, New York Post. A lot of media outlets were duped by this whole story. A lot of people were, were, were duped. A lot of people were. So he played this whole thing up. He played this whole thing up. He is a heck of an actress. He is a heck of a he is a he is a heck of an actor 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 I said actress actor he is a great actor so if things don't work out in football for Manti Teo maybe there's a career for him as an actor maybe there's a career for him as an actor maybe maybe I don't know it's just does not make sense. I don't know. I can't. Every I'm just thinking about this story, and I can't say that he was a part of. Uh, he, he was just. It was just a hoax, and, and he he got catfished, a term that we've been hearing a whole heck of a lot of late. I can't say that he just got catfished. He wasn't involved in this hoax. I, I just. I think he was involved. I think he was involved. And if he was involved, that speaks to a larger question and and the the psychological, uh, you know, just looking at this man's mindset, the psychological makeup of this man. You know, if he really did or if he really was a part of this whole fiasco, a part of this whole uh, thing, this whole cover-up, this whole hoax, this whole story, I I, I, I got to say, psychologically speaking, he needs to be on somebody's couch. He needs to be on somebody's couch. He needs to be sitting down on somebody's couch 
talking about some of his issues. And and if he did do what some think he did and what I personally think he did, and I believe he was a part of this. I think he, he was a part of this hoax. He needs to be on somebody's couch talking about why he needed this type of attention and why he may be so attention-starved. Maybe Daddy didn't talk to him. Maybe Mama didn't talk to him enough. Maybe someone didn't talk to him. Maybe he didn't get enough attention growing up as a child. Maybe that was the case. I don't know. I don't know. But here's what I do know. This whole story just is weird. This whole story is odd. This whole story is peculiar. This whole story is just flat out crazy. Crazy. Just crazy how this whole story came about. I, I just it doesn't make sense. It's 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 illogical. It's just you can't make sense out of this. You you, you can't make sense out of this story. I, I can't say, okay, he just he was just a part of a he was just part of a catfish. He got caught up. It was a hoax. It was a hoax. He got catfished. That's it. That's all that happened. That's all that happened. He, he was part of a hoax, and he just, at some level, just went along with it. And just kind of, as he stated, as he talked about, as he said, maybe he kind of just started, you know, making his answers and, and, and doing things in a way to, to, to keep the lie alive. Maybe that's what he did. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, I mean, maybe that's what he did. I, uh, maybe, you know, he just started tailoring his stories, as he said. He started tailoring his stories to what was being out, what was already out there. He could have stopped this whole thing. And he said he was distracted in the game, and that was one of the reasons he didn't play so well in that particular game. Well, maybe he didn't play so well because, what happens to, what happens in the dark finds a way to get to the light and what happened here found a way to make it to the light and it you know it may not come to the light the way you think it may not come to the light the way you want it to and you, but it, it it finds a way to get there and it found a way to get there with this guy it found a way to get there with Manti Teo just odd just weird i, I just don't know what else to say about it. I mean, I think we're at the position now, and granted, he, he gave an interview to Jeremy Schaap, but it was audio only. There was no video cameras in there, so we just got an audio of this interview. It was just audio. I don't think that's going to be enough to, to silence the doubters. I don't think that is going to be enough to silence the critics, the people who have doubts about this story. I think what's happening now is they're spinning. This is spin. This is spin control. This is spin that they're doing it. That they're doing. It. And then they're what they're doing is what they're doing is as far as I'm concerned is now they're trying to to paint a picture. They're trying to paint a picture now. They're trying they're working together and they're trying to spin the story and they're trying to come up with a logical explanation of what happened trying to come up with some kind of logical reasoning, some kind of logical reasoning behind this whole story. That's what they're trying to do. That's what they're trying to do. That's what they're trying to do. 
You wonder how it will affect his status in terms of the NFL, in terms of where he goes in the draft. He's going to get drafted. He is going to play on Sundays. There's no doubt about it. He's going to play on Sundays. We don't we, we know that. He's going to play on Sundays. That's what's going to happen. And I was looking at a CNN SI story about what some executives are saying about this whole situation in terms of his draft status, in terms of what may happen moving forward. What may happen moving forward with this guy in terms of the draft? One NFL personnel executive said, I honestly don't know. I want to sit down with this kid and hear his interpretation. We don't have all the information. Some of us haven't even seen, have been following this whole thing. To even say what it might do to him, not knowing what it is, I think would be a disservice. That's one NFL executive. We've got an NFL defensive coordinator on names. Clubs are going to do their due diligence. They're going to do their homework. They're going to to find out who someone is. I'm not sure if a situation like this would affect someone's draft status. I think you would have to look to see what team is making the call. With some teams, the better player you are, the more they would let something slide. And some teams, different things to them are red flags. And red flags are not looked upon as good things when you're talking about your franchise player. If he's your franchise player that you don't necessarily want to have red flags for those that are leaders and face of your team. So there's some of the, the, the different takes that you're getting in terms of his draft status. Those are some of the takes that you're getting from various NFL GMs and executives throughout the league. And I think, and here's another one, and I quote, I, I can't make a judgment at this point. Number one, it's a bizarre set of circumstances. When something so bizarre happens, I don't rush to judgment because I know because I don't know the details. I gotta find out what the hell happened. It's something a lot of investigation will be needed on. So I I, I think that's the approach I would take if I'm an NFL executive. I'm gonna take a wait and see approach. We can we can all have our ideas, our opinions and our beliefs about what happened. But I think I'm going to take the wait-and-see approach. I'm going to sit down with this guy, talk to this guy, get an understanding for the type of guy he may be, get an understanding for his character, get an understanding about this guy. That's what I would do if I'm an NFL executive. Sit down with this man and get an idea of what is going through his head. Look him right in the eyes and see what is going on. See what you may see. You know, the old saying is the window. The eyes are a window to the soul. So let's get into his eyes. Let's let's get a window into his soul. Let's look into that window of his soul and see what kind of guy he is, what kind of person he may be. Let's look at him. Let's take a look. Let's look this cat right in the eye and say, you know what? What happened, man? What, what, how, how are you catfished. Uh, well, what happened here? Why did you go along with certain parts of this story? What happened, man? I know you're 22 years old, and I know at that age people get caught up. And, and, and when you get to that stage of college football where you're at such a high level, even though you're not getting paid, you're a celebrity, you're a big time, it's very easy to get caught up 
And maybe that was the case. Maybe he was duped and he just got caught up and just continued on with the lie. He kept the lie alive. Maybe. Just maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But it's very fishy. There's a lot of smoke. A lot of smoke. A lot of smoke. And usually, again, when there's a lot of smoke, there tends to be some fire. The second hour of Go For It starts right now. And in this hour, we're expected to be joined by former NBA star Antoine Walker. Talk a little NBA with Antoine. Talk about some of the things he has going on. I know he has a working on a book, working on a documentary. So we're going to talk to Antoine Walker about some of the great things he has going on. Also, Chris Harris of the Denver Broncos is scheduled to join us in this hour. We're going to talk to Chris about the big game that he just played last week against the Baltimore Ravens. That was a great game. And we're going to get his thoughts on it. Obviously, it didn't work out the way the Broncos wanted it to, but it was a big-time football game. It didn't work out in Chris's favor, but we're going to talk to Chris about that particular game and some of the things he has going on. I know he's in the process of launching and starting a, a new foundation, so he's preparing to do some big things in the community. And Chris had a big-time year for the Denver Broncos, had a big-time year for the Denver Broncos. So we're going to talk to Chris about some of the great things he has going on in the community and talk about that big game last week against the Ravens. Tough loss for him. And we're an hour into this show, and we've talked a little bit about the NFC title game with Thomas Davis, but, you know, with this whole situation with Manti Teo, the whole situation with Lance Armstrong kind of took our attention away from championship week. I mean, we focused on fraud week earlier in the show. Now it's time to focus on for championship week. Championship weekend. Big football games tomorrow. I mean, big football games. The Atlanta Falcons finally got the monkey off their back. Finally got that monkey off their back. Took that monkey and just threw it off their back. They finally got it off their back. And the way they dumped, they did it in that particular game. The way they won that game, it obviously not the way they wanted to win that game. They were in complete control throughout that game, up 20 points going into the fourth quarter. Then it was a mad dash, a mad sprint to the end. Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch, and the, the Seattle Seahawks, they fought back, and they fought hard, man. And they, they were up 28-27, to 27 and then Matty Ice did what Matty Ice has done throughout the course of his career, though he hasn't done that in the playoffs, but he's done it throughout – his regular season career, he was big time. Boom to Harry Douglas. Boom to Tony Tony uh, Gonzalez. Boom, Matt Bryan kicks the field goal. Ball game. Falcons move on to face the San Francisco 49ers. And the San Francisco 49ers are a team now that's playing big time. A team that is, you know, Colin Kaepernick. How about his performance last week against the Green Bay Packers? He was sensational. He started the game out with a pick six to Tremont Williams, and you started wondering, okay, is the stage too big for this guy? Is the stage too big for this guy? Is this stage too big for this guy? I mean, this is he's a rookie. He's a rookie. These are the playoffs now. 
He's a rookie. Is the stage too big? No, the stage wasn't big enough for Colin Kaepernick. 17 for 31, 263 big yards, two touchdowns, and oh, by the way, 16 carries, 181 big yards, two touchdowns on the ground, two touchdowns in the air, over 400 yards of total offense for this guy. It's just amazing. Just absolutely amazing, his performance last week against the Green Bay Packers. It was explosive. It was explosive. And and that's what the type of that's the type of plays you get with Colin Kaepernick. Explosive plays. That fifty six yard run that put the uh Niners up thirty one to twenty four in that game was big time. That was a big time run. He just split the defense. He just took off and it was over. It was a wrap. It was a wrap. And Colin Kaepernick has been explosive and had a lot of explosive plays this year for the 49ers. He was very explosive in that game, very explosive. I mean, his performance in that game was, was, was big time. That was big time. That was the reason you made the switch from Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick because of that type of performance and his ability to, to, to pull off that type of performance. That was big time, man. That was absolutely big time against the Green Bay Packers. Now he's going up against the Atlanta Falcons, a team that defensively you could say is a little weaker than the Green Bay Packers, a team that Kaepernick theoretically could have just as much success, if not more success. I don't know if you can have more success than 400 yards total offense. I don't know if you can have any more success than that. But, but. Uh, it's just he's had success this year, Colin Kaepernick, a lot of success. But you wonder now, the Falcons, throughout the course of this season, they played the Carolina Panthers twice this year, and and we all know Cam Newton is a similar quarterback, similar type of quarterback to Russell Wilson, similar type of quarterback to Colin Kaepernick. Russell Wilson was big time, 385 yards, two touchdowns in that game against the Falcons. Cam Newton, two times against the Atlanta Falcons. 502 yards, passing, four touchdowns, no picks. Also rushing for 202 yards in those games. Absolutely amazing. You're listening to Go Forward on Blog Talk Radio. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! We're going to Thank switch you, gears now. We were you got it, brother. Football. Have a good one, man. We're going to switch gears now, and we're going to turn to the NBA. We're going to turn to a guy who's had a lot of success in the NBA, a guy who knows a lot about the NBA. Let's bring him in now, former NBA great. The one, the only, Antoine Walker. Antoine, how are you, man? Man, how you doing, brother? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, and I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And, Antoine, I want to get down to it right now. 
You talked a lot of trash throughout the course of your career. You talked trash with the best of them. We saw a couple weeks ago Kevin Garnett, Carmelo Anthony going back and forth. Reports were Garnett said a little something about his wife. Doc Rivers denied that. Are there rules in trash talking overall? Are there any rules in trash talking? <laughs> Um, I think it's rules of trash talking. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good way to do it if it's in a competitive manner. Uh, obviously, it, 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 it was something said beyond basketball. Uh, I don't think Melo would have went to the bus if it was just strictly about basketball. So, you know, obviously I, I think they did a good job of diffusing it real quickly, but it was definitely something said, something serious. I think, you know, he never would go to the bus if it wasn't. I can't see that happening. So I think uh, KG probably took it a little bit too far, took it personal. And, 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 and made him react that way. But I definitely think it was something else involved. And, and what's the craziest thing that ever been said to you on the court? <laughs> uh, that's hard to think of off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> I mean, as long as it's, you know, long, long as it's in the essence of basketball, you're going to get everything. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. You know, I think, I think you know, trash talking is the way you do it. If it's done in a competitive manner, if you and the guy going at it, y'all going back and forth, mano a mano, you know, that's good trash talk. You know, I think when you start getting personal, talking about family, you know, family and family members and girlfriends and mothers and, you know, some personal stuff that may have got out in the newspaper or something and, and everybody knew about it, I think that's taking that too far. Okay, so the moment they start talking about mama or, or, or girlfriend or baby mama, that, that it's a wrap, it's done. <laughs> yeah, then, then, you, then you really got to be really doing too much. It's going too far. Okay, okay. And Antoine, uh, uh, let's move to the Lakers now. Everybody's talking about the Lakers. This team, 17-22 and 22 after falling to Miami the other night. They're 11th in the Western Conference, three games out of the eighth spot. From what you saw with the Lakers, what is wrong with this team? Well, I, I think the problem is, is uh, you know, for Steve Nash to be effective, he's got to be able to dominate the basketball. And I think with Kobe, he's not, he's not being able to do that. And also, I think um, D'Antoni's uh, style and system is not conducive to that personnel that they got on the floor. Uh, you know, Kobe's, you know, he's, a, he's, he's towards the end of his career. He's not going to be a running running gun. Steve Nash is not going to run a gun. So I think the Lakers did a bad job as one, um, basically, you know, hiring a coach. And then also on the flip, on the flip side of that, I think, uh, you know, Dwight Howard has to be more dominant. He's coming off an injury. Um, they got to go through Paul Gasol a little bit more. They have the type of team where they got to be a little bit more balanced. Kobe can't be leading the league in scoring with that type of team. You got to have balanced scoring if you want to win it. I think, you know, Kobe averaging 30 is a little bit too much if they want to win and be successful. And I think they did. I don't think they did a great job of putting that, that bench together um, in the summertime when they made the big trades. They didn't put their bench together properly, you know. Um, so I think they have to make a move here at the trade deadline, but. They still would be a team that I didn't want to play at the seventh to eighth seed. I mean, they could turn it on at any moment. I wouldn't be a team up at the top that wants to see them in the first round. And one of the issues with the Lakers, you talked about their bench, but another reason, another issue with this team is their defense. They're 26 in the league in points allowed, and that's typical with Mike D'Antoni coach teams. Can they turn things around defensively? Well, I think I don't think they can turn things around defensively because they don't have the personnel to. I mean, Steve Nash is, you know, a Hall of Famer, a guy like that, but he's never been a lockdown defender, and that's your starting point guard. So I think Ron Artest and Kobe and, and Dwight gives you a good nucleus defensively. I think they got to mix it up a little bit, maybe play a little bit more zone, um, maybe have Steve Nash a little bit. you got to be creative when you got that type of roster and just try to get put them in the best situation to win it. 
Uh, I think they it's just a matter of time before. I think they are going to make the playoffs, um, whether it's the seventh or eighth seed. I think they're going to be a tough out just because of Kobe and, and Steve Nash. But um, this season is a watch. They're going to have to get the personnel to kind of match with D'Antoni if they if they lock into him. And this, you look at this team, there's always a possibility that this whole thing could just blow up. I mean, Steve Nash is old. Kobe is getting older. Dwight Howard, there's no guarantee that he'll be there beyond this season. There's a possibility that this whole thing could just really just blow up. Do you see that happening? Honestly, I think I see, uh, you know, I think I see Kobe, uh, Steve, and Dwight. I think Dwight signs there. Uh, Obviously, that's the team he can make the most money from. I think Kobe's on his way out. I think Dwight likes the limelight. Uh, I think the Lakers will do everything they can to, to keep a superstar, a franchise player, you know, on their roster. So I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Um, I think he's definitely going to be the first, uh, you know, guy to stay. But um, I definitely see some absence with Paul Gasol, maybe Ron Lattes coming to his last year of his deal. But it def- it's definitely going to be a, a total makeover. I-, I can see seven new guys on the roster next year. Wow, wow. And and that wouldn't be surprising. Antoine, you know, the Lakers, they could use a stretch four. And any chance that you can come out and help him out? Man, I said Rasheed, Sheed and Jason Kidd and, you know, Curry Thomas, some of the veterans. If I ever can dedicate myself to the gym for three, four months, yeah, definitely. Uh, Still got a love and passion for the game. Uh, But, yeah, after seeing those guys, I got a newfound confidence that, you know, I still can play in this league, yeah. It's all about the situation at times. I think if you look at the the teams that those guys are on, they're veteran teams trying to win championships. Uh, if I could fall into one of those situations, get myself in, in tip-top shape, and, and you know, sky's the limit where it could happen. Definitely. We're talking to former NBA star Antoine uh, Walker. And, Antoine, maybe you should go about – maybe you should put three to four months in the gym, and who knows what could happen. Hey, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not doing it. I mean, I'm not okay. other okay. that I'm doing it. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm back playing. You know, we still got a, a few guys waiting on call-ups and stuff like that and waiting to get a phone call, so – we got a good run going on here in Chicago, so I'm definitely back in the gym. I just said, you know, when well, you got to get back in the NBA shape, it's a different type of shape. So, you know, right. I know I have to dedicate myself and really put that forth effort into it, trying to do it. But, you know, come July, if I feel like I'm in good enough shape, you know, now it's kind of starting to start work out for some teams. But it's got to be the right situation, a veteran type of situation. Looks like you said, maybe the Lakers that needs to stretch for um, to do some things, especially playing with uh, a guy like Dwight Howard who demands double teams and, and right. you know, needs some guys space the floor. So it's definitely a possibility. I'm not ruling it out. Um, like I said, I've I'm, I'm been going to a lot of games lately, getting the bug, like I said, back in the gym playing 5-on-5, five five, so getting that bug again. We're talking to former NBA star Antoine Walker. And, Antoine, let's get to you now. We all know about some of your money problems over the years. You earned $110 million throughout your career. Yeah. On the surface, it seems impossible that you could lose all your money but how does one go through $110 million? I think it's just a combination of things. You know, with me, it was a little different. Uh, I, I was a huge investor in the real estate market um, where I really put, I was a personal guarantor of um, seven different companies. And, we, you know, we had a lot of properties, over 140, 150 properties. So that was what a bulk of my income loss was. It's a lot of different ways you can lose it. I mean, I think, one, you create a lifestyle for yourself, um, you know, you can buy lavish things, you can buy houses, cars, jewelry, um, the way you carry yourself on a daily basis. Um, women, 
you know what I mean, having a woman and you can lose a, you know, still a lot of money through a divorce or through a relationship. Um, it's multiple things, child support. It's a, it's a combination of a lot of things that goes on throughout the life when you when you have a lot of money and you're taking care of a lot of people. So it's like all those things in one um, that kind of contributes to, to the loss. And one speculation was gambling may have caused you to go broke. But clear this up. You said that was not the case. Clear it up. Well, I think people looked at the story because of the uh, the thing that happened in Vegas. That was a um, situation that obviously we didn't want to happen. It was a legal situation that they could do, that they could force a warrant on me, and they did it for whatever reason possible. So it got kind of blown out of proportion. Um, the situation has been taken care of, as you know, over a year now. So it was one of those situations that I got blown out of proportion. It was on their part. I felt was wrongly did by them, but. Um, they got the cars. They got the gun at, the, at that point, and they and they that's, they chose to do that. Um, it was a situation, obviously, when it gets to national press that you got to defend yourself. But you know, it's unfortunate. You know, a lot of people, a lot of companies go through the media to to get their point across. And well, we were in a, a, a natural discussion on a daily basis about taking care of the the, um, the restitution payment. But it didn't happen the way the way I wanted it to happen. They mm-hmm. took the legal. They took the. They took another route. Um, and it's unfortunate. It's actually really detrimental to me because I have to explain myself and people, you know, put that in the scheme of things. Um, did I gamble? Yes. But did I lose all my money gambling? No. Um, so it was just one of those situations where they had to, they had to bond their court and they used, they took advantage of it and it just got out nationally and got to something that really was something that really shouldn't have did. Didn't spend a day in jail, never got arrested. This is a situation that just we just took care of after the fact where we could have did it behind closed doors anyway. And Antoine, you talked about some of the money that you gave the friends, some of the money you gave the family. And you're a little guy. Tell us, man, how difficult is it for you to say no? Or how difficult was it for you to say no? Well, it's not about uh, being difficult. I think when you when you grew up in the inner city like I did, I'm a kid that grew up, you know, I'm the oldest of six. Uh, and you come from you come from nothing. You know, we all kind of pretty much got the same type of background, most athletes, most African-American athletes. So, uh, with me, I was just more or less, I mean, I want my family to feel a good life like I did. My friends I grew up with, we grew up together, you know, playing ball together. I was the one to make it out. So you want to bring them along and want them to be a part of that. So it was more of that situation. It was very difficult for me to say no because I wanted to make sure um, that they got to see the same life I did. It's probably not the best way to do things. It's probably a, a lot of other creative ways to, to handle the situation. But at that time, that's the way I'm thinking. I came to the league at 19 years old. So, that's the way I was thinking when I came in. And I, and I think, I mean, a lot of people, we, we say, okay, how can a guy go through $110 million? But when you're 19 years old, you come into the league, and like you said, you came from the background that you came from, it's kind of difficult to, to keep a focus. It's kind of difficult to keep your money. Was it almost like you got caught up in the matrix? Um. I would say yes and no. I think it's just a matter of you, we, we create a lifestyle for ourselves. So when you come from property, you come from a situation that's not happening a lot, and then you got to start making money, you're going to make sure you're going to have a lot. Um, like I said, uh, you give me a lot of money now. Again, I could probably still do the same thing. I'm going to help my family and friends out. Right. Uh, you know, That's just something I'm going to do. Uh, I don't think God gives us money to, to keep to ourselves. I think he gives to spread, spread the wealth to family and friends to make sure you put them in a better position. I probably wouldn't be so much free-willing and free-hearted about certain situations. It would have to be a, a, a specific need uh, of some sort. It just wouldn't be given out. You know, it would be given out in a different manner. So 
you can get caught in that. I think a lot of us do when we come in at such a young age. I think the biggest thing for any young guy that comes in, you know, you know, we have to learn the value of a dollar. Right. Uh, and, you know, and understanding a million dollars is only six hundred thousand dollars. Little small things like that, and once if we can learn how to keep those things in perspective, you know, we all would be in a better position. How are you doing emotionally? I mean, it's got to be tough for you, you know, going through that type of money, being at the top, now kind of going down a little bit. How are you doing emotionally? I'm doing good, man. Life is good. I'm here. You know what I mean? I have two kids, beautiful kids. Family's good. Um, you know, money don't make me. I make the money. So that doesn't, that bothers me. And I got a good balance in my life. I come from not having a lot, having a lot. So I got a good balance in my life where it doesn't, you know, deter me from being the person that I am. Uh, so I'm I'm the same, you know. I mean, obviously I dealt with that when it when it happened, um, you know, a couple of years ago. Now just you know starting the second phase of my life, moving forward, and, and you know believing that you know it's, it's good days to come. But I, I mean I haven't done it all and been there, so I'm not necessarily worried about that. I just want to enjoy the quality of life and and share my experiences and with other people and also help them out as well. So it's a good thing, you know. Everything happens for a reason. You got to be you know. Positive about it. The good thing about it is I have a strong network of uh, good friends um, that I consider friends and, and my family. My mom has been very supportive. And when you get your family behind you, you pretty much can pull through anything. Definitely. We're talking to former NBA star Antoine Walker. And Antoine, you talked about the females. I mean, as an NBA player, you had a, you have an opportunity at the best of the best. I mean, you got the best of the best females <laughs> coming at you. Talk yeah. about the difficulties in navigating the females as an NBA star. Well, I think, you you know, the one thing about it, you're going to get a lot of stuff thrown at you left and right. I think the biggest thing with all of us, sometimes we marry or be with the wrong one. So we lock into that wrong one, and then it ends up costing us millions of dollars at the end. So I think, you know, I think any player, you know, coming to the league, my advice would be to them is that unless you got a girl that you was in college with, high school with, you know, be single, man. Enjoy the league. Enjoy the league for what it is. Um, enjoy, you know, so you so you don't have to be put in those positions. But at the right. end of the day, you know, it's, it's very, you know, it's very hard and disheartening when you hear stories when guys get out the league and they work hard for 12 or 13 years and you know have to give up these huge divorce settlements. So that hurts too as well when you work so hard to build this wealth up and they have to give it away. So at the end of the day, Evelyn really wasn't the right chick for you. At the end of the day. No, I, I, you know, the thing with Evan is that, you know, we were together a long time. I think with, you know, I'm my own personal thing. I really don't get into that. I just felt like when things got a little tight, she kind of jumped ship a little bit. And it, and it okay. showed, as it, her actions over the last couple of years, it kind of showed that. So I was more on a personal level with her, more than since that, you know, um, you come from nothing. I'm, I mean, I basically, you know, started your life, put you around. It's all the people that you met, all the shiny O'Neills, all the relationships you got, I still me. And you just went a different way when it got a little tighter. So that's obvious. I mean, I think a lot of people see that and understand that. And, um, you know, it happens to the best of us. Am I disappointed? I'm more disappointed because you get to know somebody personally, their family. You know, I've been with her daughter since she was six years old. So I practically helped raise her daughter like my own. And just to see them do certain things, the way they act, it's, it's disappointing sometimes. But, you know, it's not surprising. You know what I mean? When you've been around the block, you've seen a lot of different things. It's not surprising. So, but it happened to me. I think she, you know, the, the nothing both of it is it got a little tight. She had to get up out of there. Right. You know, Any so, ill will? You know, 
Any ill will? No, you know, it's not, I don't have any ill will. I think, you know, she showed her hand. It's hard. It happens to the best of us. A lot of guys take thought of things personal. I don't take it personal. I thought I was fair to her. thought I did a good job as far as providing for her and her daughter, putting her blood in a better life, her family in a better life. And she didn't. it wasn't reciprocated. And it's unfortunate. Sometimes it happens like that. And, I mean, you see certain things happen, you know. Same thing with the relationship she got with Chad. Same thing right. happens. As soon as they get in the altercation, she runs to the police. Definitely kill his career. She don't. I mean, you know, you got to know what type of woman you're dealing with when you're dealing with the whole thing. So it's unfortunate. But, you know, I had a lay back when, when since 1999. So I didn't see She's like a 360 to me. I, the, 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 the woman you see now is not the woman that I was dating. Okay, so you, is she totally different than she was many years ago? I mean, she's always been feisty as far as being aggressive. She's Puerto Rican, so she's going to be feisty. But, yeah, the thing she does now, hell, totally different. I never right. seen that side of her. But I think it's all it's all a show. I think she's got some good people behind her telling her, look, you need to act like this. This is how you're going to be profitable. you got to understand, she don't have a craft. None of these women that are on reality shows, they don't have a craft. They have no other which way to go. It's not like they got a college education. It's not like they have, you know, they got something to fall back on. So they got to ride the wave while they're hot. It's either get a man that got some money or ride his wave while I got it. Definitely. And she's, she's riding a wave and... It's all because oh, yeah, of you, and I, think, I mean, yeah, that's a great sure. point. It, it's all because of you. And she got to play it to the fullest. So if they tell her on TV to go smack somebody, throw a bottle, she going to do it. I mean, what if she, she, you know, she's created a quality of life for herself, so she wants to continue to have that. So she's going to she gonna do whatever it takes to continue to, to produce income. Definitely. And how are you doing financially now? I'm doing good, man. Still making money. Um, not the kind of money I would love to make. Um Obviously, you know, I'm used to making a high low of money that I'm making now, but, but life is good. The good thing about me is that it's, I think a lot of people think bankruptcy is good for you. It's a, it's a, it creates a different way of life, but, you know, people say you're broke. You're not that technically broke. Okay. It's just that, you know, you 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 know you have to pay your debt back. So they, you know, it took a lot of my wealth. Um, obviously, it's a lot of, you know, little cash. But, you know, life is still good. I'm still able to get up in the morning, still be able to provide for my kids, still able to move around and be successful. So it's good. That's good. That's a, that's definitely a good thing. You're in the process of preparing a book. Tell us about that. Yeah. I'm just trying to um, write an autobiography. Um, it's about my life. Uh, it's not just about basketball. It's about some trials and tribulations I went through. I think I have um, – a lot of components to my life. I think it would be good for a lot of young athletes to read, people to read. I think um, sometimes it's important for people to understand why you lose money, the type of different situation that we as athletes go through in life. So I think I have a unique story to, to tell. So I'm um, trying to do it through a book. So we have the, the publishing companies right now and hopefully getting one on the bite on it so we can take off with this thing. I mean, you got a great story, and I think it would make for, for definitely a great book. You also have a documentary in the works. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, some of the documentary, putting it, putting it on film so guys can get a different point. Um, my family, um, the documentary consists of my family, my friends, um, as well as myself. Um, kind of um, like a 30 for 30 piece, if you can imagine how 30 for 30 huh? is shot. It'll be shot It'll be shot in that type of sense. Um, you know, it'll be close friends. It'll be McCollins, close, close Patino. It'll be, you know, a few NBA players that I'm tight with. And it's kind of telling my story on camera so people can get the, the full feel about it. And you're also in the process of relaunching your foundation. Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I'm going to relaunch my foundation um, back in uh, Chicago. Uh, I'm going to start a finance literacy program for 13- to 17-year-olds. 
uh, for high school, after school program. So to teach kids about the value of a dollar, so they can understand, you know, how much, you know, how much the value of a dollar is, how to invest their money, how to, uh, you know, take care of their money. So they educated. So if you look at so many young athletes getting drafted at 18, 19, now at least we got we starting the basis of how how money can be, re- how you can take care of your money, teach them about taxes. Um, so just really trying to turn my my story, um, a negative story, into a positive story. Definitely. I mean, you got a great story to tell, and I think it should be told. You got, you're working on the book. You're working on the documentary. You're relaunching your foundation. So you're doing a lot of great things, man. I wish you nothing but the best of luck with all the things that you're doing. You sound like you sound like you're you're confident in your abilities, and you sound like you're confident that you'll bounce back and you'll be successful. Oh yeah, no question, no doubt, man. I want to uh, say sorry too for last week, man. I got uh, messed up on the track of time, so I want to definitely come on your radio show and show some support. Definitely, Antoine, no problem, man. I appreciate you coming on this time. And, again, fans, check out some of the great things Antoine Walker has going on. You're on Twitter, WalkerAntoine8, so make sure you follow this man on Twitter. And you're going to relaunch your website at at some point with your foundation. What's the plan with that? When are you planning on relaunching the website? Probably another week or two. Everything's all in the works. I'm 2013 being proactive, so all this stuff is going to happen very quickly over the next four to six weeks. Okay. So 2013 is going to be a great year for Antoine Walker. He's shimmying into 2013, doing some big things in 2013. Antoine, we wish you nothing but the best of luck, man. We'd love to have you back on again. Let's do this again, and uh, nothing but the best to you. All right. Thank you. Antoine Walker, former NBA star. Antoine Walker has a lot of great things going on in the community, a lot of great things going on in terms of a documentary, in terms of a book. I mean, he has a great story to tell. And the reality is the story needs to be told so others won't go down that same road, finding the right woman. And, and that's big. I mean, finding the right woman is big. You know, find, especially when you're on top like that, and especially when you have the kind of money that he has, you've got to find the right one. So that's important. So finding the right woman is important, you know, Managing your money, understanding money, and, and a lot of people, you know, on the surface, again, one hundred and ten million dollars. You figure, okay, you can't go through that. You can't go through that type of money. It's possible, man. It, it, it's possible. I don't know firsthand. I would like to find out, to be honest with you, but I don't know firsthand. You think I'll ever find out? Mm, will I make one hundred and ten million dollars? I don't know. Probably not. But again, I would love to find out. I'd love to find out. But again, also the thing with money, man. Money comes. You get money. You got people coming around. People who want to be your friend. People who want to be your lover. People who who want to say all these great things to you and 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 be around you and talk about how great you are, how special you are, how amazing you are, how incredible you are. That's what you want. For I mean, you got those people coming out of the woodworks. I mean, cousins that you don't have, you know, fifth, six, seven cousins from your dad's uncle's brother's sister's niece. I mean, just crazy, crazy, crazy kind of stuff just coming out of the woodworks. People just coming out of the woodworks. Craziness. I mean, you got a lot of craziness just coming out of the woodwork. Just craziness. And the reality is this. This is the reality of it. The way Antoine said it, you basically have to find that ride-or-die chick. That chick, is going, that chick, that woman that's going to be with you from the beginning to the end. That woman that's going to be 
with you when it's good and that woman that's going to be with you when it's bad. That's the kind of woman you need. Well, that's the kind of woman you need anyway, whether you're rich or poor. You know what I mean? Whether you're famous or nobody, you need that type of woman, a loyal woman, that when when the chips are down, when when the money gets a little tight, that woman is there for you, supporting your dreams, so helping you get back to where you want to be and where you need to be. That is what it's all about. And apparently Antoine said Evelyn wasn't that woman. She wasn't that woman. And it is what it is. It is what it is. But again, I heard someone say a woman can make you, a good woman can make you, but a bad woman can break you. And there's a lot of truth to that. And I think it goes both ways in terms of a man. A good man can make you, and a bad man can break you. So just a little relationship advice for everybody. I know we like to talk sports, but make sure you find the right one. Make sure you find a woman that is loyal or a man that is loyal. Somebody that's going to be there for you when the chips are low, when the chips are down. And somebody that's going to be there with you, obviously, through thick and thin. Make sure you find that particular person. It's very important because it can make or break you. It can ruin your life and it's ruin a lot of guys' lives, lives, a lot of women's lives. And so make sure you find the right one. I thought Manti Teo said he thought he found the right one, I guess. But it was a fake. So, um, Maybe you don't go on the Internet, or you got to be careful with the Internet because you could get catfished, and then you could be with a woman that you thought was a woman that may not have been a woman or may not have been a nobody. You know what I mean? And, and if you're going to do that, and you make sure you're Skyping. If you're going to email, if you're going to have a, uh, some kind of a, some kind of a online relationship, make sure you're Skyping. Make sure you're, you're, you're FaceTiming. Make sure you're doing all these things, all this technology out there. Uh, you, there's no excuse for you not to see the face of the woman that you're supposedly in love with. No excuse. And I know I wasn't going, but I, I don't want to go back to the Manti Teo thing, but I, I just got sucked into it. I'm sorry. I apologize. <clears throat> excuse me, but this Manti Teo story just got me all uh, uh, just messed up right now. I mean, this is just some craziness. It's just some craziness, some absolute positively craziness. It's not possible, that story. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I'll never believe it. I won't believe it. I don't believe it. It's crazy. Crazy. But it is what it is. It is what it is. It truly is what it truly is. And that's just, that's just, that is, that's it. That's it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And this guy, he, he says he Skype. He tried to Skype water. He tried to, 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 you know, do all that type of stuff, FaceTiming, all that otherness. But he, she wasn't able to do it. Or uh, Let me find it in here. I know he said he tried to Skype with her. He tried to, to contact with her and, and all these other things. But the bottom line is this, man. Come on. Come on. You can't be in a relationship in 2013 and well, 2012 in that relationship. But you can't be in a relationship in the 21st century, whether it's you met her in person, whether you met her through a some kind of website, Match.com, eHarmony, whatever you met her, however you met her. You mean you you, you got to Skype, you you, you got to FaceTime, you got to see this person. I mean, come on. Let let's you know you, you do a Google search. Do you know you you have money? Do a Google. You know, you can do a Google search or even a background check. I mean, you don't need money to do a Google search, but you do need money to do a background check. But you can't 
do a background check. I mean, you're a man, Titeo. You're, you're, you're. Somebody's going to come after you. There might have, there might be people out there that's going to try to fraud you. You know, because you are a man, Titeo. Tao. But uh, you know, this whole situation, this whole situation is just one big. It's one, it's just one big, I mean, that's all it is. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's just one big fail. And we all believed it, just like happy children would. We all believed it. He was happy and He soldiered on. He fought for adversity. He did all this and that. He did this and that. Yay! Yay! Yay for Lance Armstrong. We fell for the fairy tale. He beat cancer. He did this and that. Now give him credit for beating cancer. But okay, he's still a fraud because he lied. The way he won those Tour de France's was because, not because of his ability. He has some ability. He has some ability, obviously. But also it was because of performance-enhancing drugs. He used it for every race that he won. He needed it to be successful he is a fraud. Manti Teo, I don't want to call you a fraud, but if you are 22, I guess you can change, but there is some fraudulent behavior with you. Just some fraudulent behavior. Some things just don't connect. And let's go back to football. Let's go back to on the field. And let's go to the Ravens and Patriots. I mean, this is going to be a big-time football game right now. You know, this is a rematch from last year's games, a game that the Ravens probably should have won, a game that Joe Flacco outplayed Tom Brady in that particular game, a game that if if Lee Evans makes the catch at the ball game, or if Billy Cundiff makes a 32-yard field goal, you're at least in overtime, and who knows what could happen. And the Ravens beat the Patriots earlier this year, 31-30. to so I look at this, the Ravens play the Patriots tough. The Ravens play the Patriots very, very well. And I'm, I'm, I'm almost afraid to bet against the Ravens. I, I, I'm almost afraid to go against Ray Lewis. I, I, I'm, I see and saw what he did, what, what, what his, 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 his spirit, his strength, how it propelled the uh, the Ravens. I have a hard time going against it, man. I, I'm starting to believe that I might have to call in Michelle, might have to call in Kelly, I might have to call in Beyonce. I may just have to call this team Destiny's Child. I I, I may have to call this team Destiny's Child. They something is on their side. Something is on their side. Something. Something. Something is on their side. I don't know what it is. I I don't know what it is, but something is on their side. Something. I don't know what it is. I don't. I can't explain it. Ray Lewis was screaming at the end of the game, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. So maybe it's biblical. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, they they always say when two or three uh, agree, and that, that is if we're going by Ray Lewis's beliefs and two or three agree and two or three do agree, then, you know, I guess it gets better. And I guess in terms of prayer, it, it helps 
get the prayers to the heavens and and helps you know ultimately helps everybody do their thing and I don't know I mean it's just I, they seem like Destiny's Child they seem like Destiny's Child it's hard to go against Brady it's hard to go against Brady so it, it has to be Destiny if you're going against Brady and beating Brady it has to be a level of Destiny so so I I, I don't know I don't know. I'm just having a hard time going against the Ravens. I really am having a hard time, and I know the Patriots are the Patriots. I know Brady is Brady. I know Belichick is Belichick. I know all these things. Gronkowski is not there, and that's big. Gronk is not there, and that's big. But they play without Gronk throughout the most most of this season, so they're used to it. That's not. I don't think you, that's going to be an issue. I don't think that's going. Well, obviously, anytime you're missing a player of that caliber, it could be an issue. But I don't think it's going to be a big time issue. I don't think it's going to be a big time issue. But I look at this game. I look at this whole situation. I'm having a hard time going up against going against the Ravens after the way they performed over the past couple of weeks, and just the way they beat the Broncos. It was it was magical. It was it was stunning. And, and I remember. Just watching the end of the game and seeing the end of the game, and it was just—I was stunned. I truly was stunned how the Ravens were able to win that game. That was stunning to me, the way the Ravens won that game. That was stunning. I, I didn't think that was going to happen. I, I was surprised by how it happened. I'm, I just was stunned. I, I sat there stunned, and I can imagine how the players felt on the Broncos' sideline after that game. It's just a stunning way. To, it was a stunning way. The way the, way the game ended, ended Excuse me, was just stunning. Peyton Manning throwing across his body and then getting picked off by Corey Graham. Peyton Manning doesn't make mistakes like that. That was a rookie quarterback type of mistake. If anybody would have thrown across their body in these playoffs in, in the divisional round, it would have been Colin Kaepernick, not Peyton Manning. That was surprising. That that was something that was that was truly Surprising how he threw across his body and was picked off, picked off by Corey Graham. And that was Peyton's second pick in that game. The first pick ended up in a touchdown by Corey Graham, and then the second pick set up the Ravens' uh, final field goal and ultimately their victory. So it was amazing, man. It, It was just an amazing game. And it just leads you to believe that Ray Lewis, is going to dance on in to the Super Bowl. It, it, it leads you to believe that Ray Lewis is going to dance into these playoffs, dance into the Super Bowl. He's dancing to these playoffs. Looks like he may dance into the Super Bowl. But I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure, but I have to make a decision very soon on how this thing is going to play out. I have to make a decision very soon on how this thing is going to play out. And... It's going to be interesting. It, it truly is going to be a great game. It's going to be a great game. It's been a great playoff, at least from the divisional round on. Well, at least the divisional round, I should say. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a great playoff, an interesting playoff, and a playoff to remember. I mean, last week's game, especially that Ravens um, Broncos game, double overtime. The way the game went into overtime, the reason why it went into overtime, and just the ending was it was just an amazing game. 
It was just totally an amazing game. And it's the type of game that will be remembered for years to come. An instant classic. It was an instant classic. There's there's no argument there. I don't think anybody can argue that it was an instant classic. A flat-out instant classic. An instant classic there. And it was a, it's a game that's going to be remembered for many, many years to come. People aren't going to forget that particular game. They're just not. They're just not. All parties involved will never forget. All parties who watched will never forget that particular game. And how about Joe Flacco? And I said, Joe Flacco, you know what? You said you were elite in the offseason. Elite players do what Joe Flacco did. Went into Denver, the number one seeded team. He went in there, 331 big yards. 331 big yards. He won, won on the road. He won on the road. Five road playoff victories in his great career. Well, not great career. His good career at this point for Joe Flacco. Do I think Joe Flacco is elite? No, but his performance on last Saturday, does that is that is he building up a case? Is he making a case for being an elite quarterback? I have to say yes. 331 big yards, three touchdowns in Denver. He went into that building and did his thing. He went into that building, Sports Authority Field, Mile High. He went into that to that building and did his thing, did his thing. He balled out. He balled out. And his balling out, his balling out was one of the reasons the Baltimore Ravens are in the AFC title game. He balled. He, he played some big-time football. Played some big time football. Played some big time football. Big time. Big time football. And his play is the reason why, or one of the reasons why, the Baltimore Ravens are playing tomorrow. He is one of the reasons why. And and, and let's be honest about Joe Flacco. He played good enough for the Ravens to win last season against the Patriots in Foxborough. He played good enough. He had a good enough football game. He did work. He put in work. He put in work. He put in work. He played big-time football. Big-time football. Big-time football in that particular game. Big-time football. And he's one of the reasons, along with that opportunistic Ravens defense, because they were opportunistic in that game. And you look at that game, here's a weird, here's, and going back to the Broncos-Ravens game, weird thing about that game, you figure, okay, your team comes up two special teams touchdowns. There's no way you think you would win that game. There's no way you would think you, you would win that game. Two special teams touchdowns? Two special teams touchdowns? And you still won that game? Two special teams touchdowns. Two special teams touchdowns and you still win that game. Not one. Two. And you still find a way to win the game. 
still find a way. Still find a way to win the game. Two special teams touchdowns. Trenton Holiday, an amazing performance. He's a small guy, but he when he gets rolling, when he gets rolling, my, my, my. My, my, my. He's a small guy, but he was he performed well. I don't know if you can get away with that this week against the Patriots. But then again, I didn't think you would get away with that against the Broncos. But I don't think you can do that again and be successful against the Patriots. I don't I don't I don't think that's possible. I don't think you can get away with that again. I, I, and I, I, if you're the Ravens, you, you can't give up two special teams touchdowns. You kind of use special teams touchdowns as almost like turnovers because it's just like a big shot in the gut. It's like, boom, just like that. Just like that. I mean, it was 21-21 at halftime, and then, boom, Trenton Holiday. Breaks it out, 104-yard kickoff return. Even the start of the game, you know, you, you punt the football, boom, Trenton Holiday, 90-yard punt return, just like that, 7 nothing. I mean, you can't – I mean, it, it's very difficult for teams or, or just anybody to be able to overcome that. And the Ravens overcame that. They overcame two special teams touchdowns to win the game. Two special teams touchdowns to win the game. Two. They overcame that. And they overcame Peyton Manning, who's had a big-time year, who many believe is the MVP, including myself, of this year. And this was a hot Broncos team, 11-game win streak. This was a hot football team, a very hot team. And, you know, we, we, we talk about Joe Flacco and his play, you know, Joe Flacco's last interception was December 16th against Chris Harris and the Denver Broncos. That was his last pick. No interceptions in this game. Three big touchdowns, 331 yards. You know, in terms of completion percentage, 18 for 34, that's not great. But he had a lot of big plays. A lot of big plays. A lot of big plays in that game by Joe Flacco. Torrey Smith and how the Ravens targeted Champ Bailey, the great Champ Bailey, and Torrey Smith had a big-time game. Torrey Smith put up big-time numbers. Torrey Smith did big-time things in that particular game. Torrey Smith was big. Three catches, 98 yards, but big plays. Big plays, 32-yard touchdown before the half, which was big, that tied the score of 21. And then that big-time response, when Trenton Holiday had that big kickoff punt return, I should say, that was a big-time response by the Ravens. Torrey Smith, 59-yard touchdown pass from Joe Flacco. Big-time response by the Ravens after being on their heels, after being on their heels in that particular game, after being on their heels, on their heels. And they came back, came back, and kept it going came back, and every time you thought, okay, every time, Trenton Holiday's kickoff, the, the punt return, you're up 7 nothing. okay, you get the sense that Denver's about to punch this team in the mouth, and they're not going to respond. Well, they punched him in the mouth, and they responded. Torrey Smith's touchdown, and then Corey Graham's pick, six. 
So they responded. They responded. And then Denver went up 21 to 14, and then the, the, the Ravens responded. Flacco to Torrey Smith. And then the Broncos go up 28-21, 104-yard kickoff return, Trenton Holiday, and then the Ravens responded. Ray Rice comes back with a touchdown. And then the Broncos, you figure, finally put this team away. Demarius Thomas touchdown, and then, you know, the Broncos kicked the ball back to the to the Ravens. 30 seconds left, and you figured, okay, 30-some-odd seconds left, you figured, okay, this game is over. And Jacoby Jones hits him with a big 70-yard catch and a touchdown. So each and every time you thought the Ravens were getting punched, each and every time the Ravens got punched in the mouth, they came right back. Each and every time. So with that being said, I know the Patriots played well last week against the Texans, a game you many expected them to win. They won kind of easy in a lot of ways. Texans did make a couple runs in that game, but you knew the Patriots were in control throughout. We'll see what happens if they're going to overcome Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis and, and Ray Lewis's final hurrah, his final ride, his final ride. Is he Destiny's, is he Destiny's child? Are the Ravens Destiny's child? Are they? Are they? Are they? Are they? Will they get to the Super Bowl? It's time to make the pick. Bring in the drum. I believe Ray Lewis and the, and the Baltimore Ravens, I believe they are Destiny's Child, at least to get to the Super Bowl. I think they're getting to the Super Bowl. I think the Ray Lewis ride continues past this game. I know Brady is Brady. I know Belichick is Belichick. But I can't get past Ray Lewis in a way. His, how he has inspired this team, how Joe Flacco has played, I think the Baltimore Ravens get to the Super Bowl. And I think they'll be facing and everybody's talking about the 49ers, Colin Kaepernick, his performance. The, the the Atlanta Falcons against Cam Newton this year, 502 yards passing, 202 yards rushing. I, I know all that. And I know the type of success that Cam Newton has had against the Atlanta Falcons. Colin Kaepernick is a similar quarterback, a very similar quarterback. So I say, I say, yes, they're similar. Yes, they're similar quarterbacks. Yes, yes, yes. But you know what? Thomas Davis made a great point earlier in this show. He made a great point. You look at the Atlanta Falcons, they were able to play the, the Carolina Panthers twice. So there is some familiarity with that type of quarterback. They are familiar with this type of quarterback, this type of offense on some level. There is, they, they are familiar. So I think that helps the Falcons here. I know this defense didn't play well against Russell Wilson either. But they had some success against Wilson for the first three quarters. That, you know, for the fourth quarter, Wilson just went crazy, and that offense went crazy. And they just went on a crazy run. But as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm bringing in the drums, I got I to pick the main I'm concerned. I believe in this Atlanta Falcon team. I believe it's just their time. I believe Matty, I believe in Matty Ice. I believe in that offense on the outside. Julio Jones, Roddy White, Tony Gonzalez on the inside. I, I, I believe in this team. 
I believe in the big playability of this team, of this offense. And I think their defense, having played Russell Wilson, having played Cam Newton, I think they might be better prepared this time around against Colin Kaepernick. And this is a big stage. Is Kaepernick ready for this stage? The divisional round is one thing. The conference round is another. It's another. It's another step, another stage, another level of pressure, another level of pressure. Are, are the Falcons, excuse me, are the 49ers and Colin Kaepernick ready for this stage, ready for this level? This is a whole nother level. This is not the conference championship, uh, not the conference, conference, this is not the divisional round. This is the conference championship round. Different animal here, man. And you're going up, he was at home. You're not at home now. You're going to the Georgia Dome. It's going to be a raucous crowd. It's going to be a loud crowd. It's going to be a crowd that's going to be into it. I like the Falcons, man. I like the Atlanta Falcons. I like the Atlanta Falcons. And we were working, actually, this week to get Justin Blaylock on this show from the Atlanta Falcons. He wasn't able to do it. It, uh, The schedule conflicted with his meeting time, so he wasn't able to come on. But uh, hopefully we can get him on. For the, after the Falcons get to the Super Bowl, because I think this team is there, this team is going to the Super Bowl. It, it's just and what I would like to see, I would love to see an all hardball Super Bowl. I think that would be interesting. I think that would be intriguing. But that's what my heart wants. But my mind is telling me no. My mind is telling me no. My mind is telling me that you know what, you know what, you know what, the Atlanta Falcons. 13-3, and, and they were dominating the Seahawks for three quarters, had a lot of success against the Seahawks for three quarters, and you figured, okay, Russell Wilson comes back and has a big-time performance, puts on big-time numbers. But guess what? Guess what? Guess what? They battled back, and boom to Harry Douglas, boom to Tony Gonzalez. Matt Bryant kicks him into the conference championship game. Kicks them into the conference championship game. So when it's all said and done, at the end of Sunday, two teams will be left standing. And I I believe those two teams will be the Atlanta Falcons, Matty Ice, and Ray Lewis in the Baltimore Ravens. That's who I believe will be left standing when this thing is all said and done. That's what I believe. What that's what I believe will happen. That's what I believe will happen. But we shall see. And I want to real quickly now. Um, it's got about two minutes left in the show. I wanted to talk about some of the minority hirings or the lack thereof. I mean, Lovey Smith didn't get a job. You got Ray Horton didn't get a job. Um, you know, Keith Armstrong didn't get a job. A lot of guys. A lot of guys, Jim Caldwell, and, I, and you know, I know a lot of guys that were hired were offensive guys, but Jim Caldwell, the same Jim Caldwell that led the Colts to the champion to the to the Super Bowl, that that Jim Caldwell didn't get an opportunity, didn't get an interview. This is not, there's just something not right about that. And I know, you know, Lovey Smith is on the defensive side of football, Ray Horton on the defensive side of football, and, and all the hires. That all the all the coaches who were hired were were offensive coaches. 
because we're in the offensive age of, of NFL football. But as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, Lovey Smith and what he did, and Andy Reid, you know, I think if I had my choice, I would pick Andy Reid over Lovey Smith as well. But at the same time, Lovey Smith did come off a 10-6 season. Lovey Smith, two years ago, did have his team in a conference title game. Four years ago, had his team in the Super Bowl. So Lovey Smith, I mean, last time Andy Reid had his team in the Super Bowl was in 2004. Last time he's won a playoff game, uh, been a long time. It's been a long time, 2006, last time he won a playoff game. Lovey Smith won a playoff game in 2010. So it's just something to think about as minority coaches are having a hard time getting jobs. I want to thank Antoine Walker for joining us. Make sure you check him out on Twitter, WalkerAntoine8. Also, I want to thank Thomas Davis of the Carolina Panthers. Check out his website, DefendingDreams.org. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgame where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at Go For It Game. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great day. We hope you enjoyed the show. We hope you have a great week. See you later. Take care. Bye.